Hello, you're listening to the 15th episode of Foam Talks. I'm Miriam Koyman, curator at Foam, and I recently worked with Alexandra Rose Howland on her exhibition Leave and Let Us Go, currently on show in Foam. Her solo opened on 17 September 2021, exactly 20 years after former US President George W. Bush announced the War on Terror in the wake of the attacks performed by the terrorist group Al-Qaeda against the United States on the morning of Tuesday, September 11, 2001. Howland's project also premieres in a time in which current US President Joe Biden is withdrawing US forces from the Middle East in order to end America's longest war. The conversation between Alexandra Rose Howland and artist Wafa Bilal is one between an American artist who deliberately settled in Iraq between 2017 and 2019 to convey life in conflict through her work, and between an Iraqi-born artist who had to flee his country and settled in the US in 1992. Both Wafa Bilal and Alexandra Rose Howland have been engaging with ongoing conflict in Iraq, led or instigated by the US, through the use of new media and in which the internet plays a pivotal role. Welcome, Wafa Bilal, tuning in from New York, and Alexandra Rose Howland, currently calling in from uh, Athens. Welcome to you both for this conversation. Thank you. Very excited. Thank you, Miriam, very much for having us today. Well, thank you both for accepting the invitation to go into a conversation together. Um, it's, I think, a quite um, special one because actually, Wafa, you had to flee your home country of Iraq in, in 1991, if I believe, and ended up settling in the US, while Alexandra, you deliberately moved to Iraq in 2017 and, and lived there for two years. So maybe we should start with how both of you moved into opposite directions and um, yeah, what that intersection of spheres and cultural background has meant for the works you have both created right after your move. So Alexandra, would you like to take it away? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I think it puts us both in, you know, coming from completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and I was born in 1990, right when Wafa, you were sort of entering, exiting your country and entering into the one that I was coming into. Um, and so it puts us in, you know, completely opposing not only locations, but also timeframes, um, which I think is, you know, it's, it informed our practices in such uh, critical ways. Um, and for me, like being able to go into this country that so many people are choosing or being forced to leave from, um, the privilege that I have, you know, coming from where I come from, um, and being able to place myself into these positions, um, you know, it's an incredible privilege and the way that I can act while I'm there and the way that I can carry myself and the things that I can get away with, um, is quite different from, you know, someone from any other country or, or Iraqis themselves. It just puts you in a very different uh, place. Uh, Maryam, um, I think my journey is uh, uh, the opposite of Alexandra because I was forced to leave the country. And uh, with that, 
there was just uh, many uh, new circumstances I had to face, adjusting to the new reality of a new space. Uh, but I think also it put me in a position of um, uh, being responsible to mediate the conflict since I moved to United States right after uh, 1991 um, uh, war. Uh, and I felt I live on a bridge between these two cultures and my responsibility as an artist to bring people into conversation. So my life turned upside down and I'm no longer um, talking to the people who understand the suffer of Iraqis when I was in Iraq. I'm talking to completely different people who have no idea what's a life on the ground in Iraq in. And um, so uh, the journey took me into a new territory and uh, put me in a position of no privilege in meditating on aesthetics. So I had to meditate for all of these years on pain. Hmm. Could you both um, tell something about basically the first work you started to create after your move? I don't know who would like to start. Um, I could start that one. Um, I, I remember arriving to New Mexico and uh, fresh with all, all the sadness and what I've seen in Iraq during uh, in 1991, uh, the bombing of Iraq, the uprising, then the refugee camp. And I think when I arrived to United States, I, I still carried these uh, horrible atrocities. And uh, like any artist, we reflect on social political conditions. So I start reflecting on what I've seen. And most of the work become really... Um, uh, uh, it just it, uh, uh, almost natural coming from uh, uh, me reflecting on what I've seen. So I, I did uh, lots of paintings in the refugee camp and also in the United States, uh, which continue. And uh, one thing I, I realize, um, my new audience in the new home do not respond to that because they're far, far away from the conflict uh, zone, but I thought it is uh, important for me to uh, reflect on what I've seen and uh, hopefully um, ask people to be witness. And I think uh, that sadly uh, fell miserably because part of it, I was antagonizing people as well as a form of engagement. And then the journey, uh, the arts, uh, journey really changed based on my assessment how the audience will interact with work and what do I want them to do once they are activated I would love to to get into into that deeper but maybe first we can um, start with Alexandra and what what was the work you created when you um, um, arrived in Iraq sure um, so I first moved to Iraq in, uh, in 2017 and it was about halfway through the Mosul offensive. So they had just started, they'd crossed over from trying to liberate the east side and were on the west side. Um, and I sort of saw this 
I had heard from colleagues that were working already in the country that there was this main road that you would sort of enter in, enter the conflict into, um, and you'd have people, you know, fleeing on that road and soldiers going in. It was this really the main highway that people used. Um, so I got the idea to make one panoramic image of this main road. Um, so it's from, it's an 88 kilometer panoramic image from Erbil into um, Al Nori Mosque, which is on the west side of West, the, the west side of Mosul, um, where Al Baghdadi declared the ISIS caliphate. Um, and so this road, it shows everything from, you know, the city life in Erbil to, you know, cafes to markets to, you know, people sitting on the side of the road. And then you, as you slowly get closer to the conflict, the the way that it's photographed have to, has to shift slightly, whether it's inside a Humvee or fits, you know, in shorter spurts. Um, and so you see this transition from the very like normal mundane life um, into into conflict. Why did you decide to document like the whole road, like 88 kilometer long panoramic image? Like, mm -hmm. why uh, did you decide to document all of it and not just fragments mm -hmm. that you Part thought were relevant somehow to show? <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I just thought there was something very, um, I mean, there's something so unique about being able to drive into one of the major conflicts of the world within an hour's time. And it was so different from anything, any pre like expectations that I had before going to Iraq, or it was just such a, an anomaly to me that you could have these two worlds existing so close. Um, and then also like trying to really intervene within this, you know, war narrative that is perpetuated in the media, um, to be able to, to show that it's, you know, there's so much else happening. There's, this is people's lives that are, um, you know, being impacted or happening right next to the conflict zone and really to show the like the disparities and the closeness of all of it. I thought that that was important. There's an interesting connection with one of the works that um, you made, Wafa. Um, I don't know if that's the right one to already jump to, because we could go about in chronological order, but I was thinking um, of the work uh, Third Eye, in which you have also, well, you basically had a webcam um, implemented on the back of your head as a as a third eye documenting everything that was literally behind you for a whole year and which basically created a whole amount of images that was anything but spectacular i mean i think the gesture was more spectacular with the old sort of fact that people could directly um watch your day-to-day -day life as you were literally leaving it behind you but it's also the creation of, of imagery that are very much on the mundane rather than uh, the spectacle. Uh, also in terms of when you think of what people share on social media, it's kind of you shared the opposite of what other people would select to show to others. Um, so both of you have sort of this, in these works, um, a focus on the, on the mundane op opposed to the spectacle. So 
could you reflect on that? Yeah, so uh, Third Eye began from an invitation from the Mut'haf in a museum in, in, in Qatar. And uh, the title of the show would be Told, Retold, um, Told, Untold, Retold. It is um, a reflection of an Arab artist about their past, present, and a future. And uh, it was one of these opportunities to really um, uh, connect all these dimensions at one. Uh, and leaving Iraq, uh, I had no documentation um, at all about my life and what I left uh, behind. And then the present was contemplating on the conflict. So it was multifaceted, um, uh, a project that is looking back, documenting my life, uh, trying to create an objective image. And you know, when with photography, it's almost to, it's just like impossible to create an objective image of the mundane. But every image we have is subjective. And um, the project was indexical, uh, documenting my life every single minute for an entire year. But I think one of the most important aspect of it is uh, where, when I, uh, uh, during uh, 2010, I was living and still in the United States, um, it was a big deal uh, of uh, Arabs and Muslims being uh, watched um, all, all, all the time. So I thought this is really a good opportunity to reflect on my mundane life as uh, an Iraqi as a Muslim living in the United States and returning uh, the gaze to whoever is watching me. And finally, I think the, the project also um, uh, pr uh, predicting and was a pr uh, 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 kind of advance of uh, uh, other project in, in the same direction in thinking what is common in terms of human connection with technology so really it's reflected on what we've seen today but as you mentioned it was um on the mundane on the thing we uh, left behind with no record it's also an interesting connection because it um uh, with um the larger body of work in which uh, mosul road 88 kilometers of of alexandra sits in because it's part Mosul Road is, is part of um, the exhibition and project Leave and Let Us Go, in which Alexandra has actually been accumulating an arch archive of, of smartphone um, images that she got from Iraqis who were so willing to share their, their private lives actually with her. Um, so Alexandra, how, how would you uh, reflect on, on Wafa's work in connection to yours in that sense? Um, I don't know, the thing that just sort of came to mind is, as you were saying this, of being someone that's being watched and sort of having to return that gaze. And then you're, I don't know, playing with this role of the audience. It's something that I've always been really interested in is, um, you know, how as a photographer, like you're, I'm constantly the one that's pointing the camera at others, right? And you would typically toss out the photos of anyone that's sort of not always, but typically would be looking back at the camera or who's staring at you or interacting with you in any way. Um, and then for the Mosul Road project, it was the, it was sort of an unexpected consequence when I was sitting on top of the truck, you know, going down this highway 
super slowly. I was sitting on the top with a camera, very obvious. And people would obviously be staring back at me and pointing and smiling and, um, you know, waving at me. And so there was this interaction that at first I was like, how do I, how do I disengage from this? How do I get them to not notice me? But then that became such a important part of the work once I, um, once I accepted it and embraced it more. And then it, they were challenging me as I was sitting on top of the truck, sort of trying to be neutral, but clearly not being neutral in any way. Um, yeah. So this relationship of of how you're how you're treating the audience and how you're you know either trying to become the viewer or you know putting your later audience once it's in a museum or once it's in a gallery or in some way you know you're. I don't know. It's such an interesting sort of uh, dynamic that it creates, I guess. Yeah. And Alexandra, can you tell us something of how your stay in Iraq uh, led to Leave and Let Us Go? How did that came about? Yeah. Um, so I started collecting the cell phone images from people across Iraq, mostly as a result of one sort of event, like this soldier came up and was sitting next to me and I'd been around um been around him for a few days and so he wanted to sort of share his his life with me and so he came up and sat down he was like this is my girlfriend this is my wife and my kids and these are the people that I killed today and this is what I'm having like for dinner and I was just sitting there completely you know sort of amused and confused and a bit horrified and then that kept happening um and it wasn't until, I don't know, a few weeks in to me being in Iraq, maybe a few months in, that I really thought this could be something that I should be, you know, taking note of. Um, and so it happened very, very naturally. Um, but I'm still, you know, after now I have more than 50 people that are part of the project and every week I'm getting, you know, notes from people asking to send me more images and to participate in it, which, you know, it's such a strange concept for me still that people who now don't even know me, who have never met me, would want to share their most private or intimate sort of images. Um, and yeah, I thought at the beginning of doing the project, I would, it was more that they trusted me and they had a relationship with me. Um, and that's why they would hand over their phones. But over the last, I don't know, five months or so, the number of people who are just now randomly sending me images wanting to participate in the project, it's, I mean, it's confused me even more than that initial interaction with Soldier has. I think there are so many interesting connections. Um, just the whole fact that, well, that people were so willing to share those, um, images with you and videos, I mean, it's really sharing their private lives, but also, I mean, the amount of selfies and mixed in with all this kind of imagery, as you were just describing, is kind of what they had in front of them and how they were pointing the camera back at them, you know, with the whole idea of taking selfies and creating your own image, which is quite, um, well, I think actually the the war on ISIS or the war on terror, however you want to call it, um, has also been deemed the first smartphone war. 
because opposed to previous wars in which photojournalists were mostly the ones creating uh, the imagery that the rest of the world would see in this smartphone war, so to say, um, suddenly it had the widest array of participants to photograph the conflicts from all perspectives. And it has created sort of this more democratic point of view, perhaps, but it's also, you know, you have no way on the internet to verify your sources, to understand what it's coming from. It's who is the good guy, who's the bad guy, which is in this conflict already a very complex thing to understand. And that in combination with what I was just saying, like documenting what you see in front of you and being able to share it and how Wafa actually literally wasn't sharing what he had in front of him, but what he was leaving behind. I think there's something super interesting in um, that very literal sense of perspective that was shared, apart from the fact of that, that whole notion of sharing. How would you both relate to that? I know, I know I'm just dumping thoughts on you. I think what really a great connection I just uh, listening to Alexandra here is, is how uh, her project and one of my well-known projects, Shoot in Iraq, he has something in common, which is the trigger, what's inspired this project. And I remember with Shoot in Iraq, um, in 2007, I watch. I was watching TV, and um, an interview with an American soldier sitting in Colorado directing drones. Um, was talking. The soldier was talking about uh, how um, uh, they are moving these drones, dropping bombs, and it shocked me how the soldier is completely disconnected psychologically and emotionally uh, from and physically from the conflict zone in Iraq. And I immediately start to connect these two things, what um, uh, technology, even though is is really helping us in uh, uh, so many ways, um, also disconnecting us and I wanted to bring kind of what is happening in Iraq uh, in way, one form or another to the comfort zone of the United States. So I proposed to my gallery in Chicago uh, the project Shoot an Iraqi, which what I imagine it really using paintballed um, uh, guns, uh, a camera to stream, and remote control. Uh, a capability exactly like um, uh, uh, the drone technology that soldiers use. Uh, but most important thing about this is what um, uh, I had to witness uh, or go through from 2004 to 2007 and how uh, I was able to turn a tragedy of the loss of my brother in our hometown of Kufa, he, he was killed in a drone attack, into something that bring people together in a very uh, meaningful uh, 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 dialogue to uh, com contemplate and reflect and witness 
uh, the conflict in, in Iraq and what United States uh, was 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 uh, doing there. So for one month, I uh, moved into a gallery space with the robot that is aim and could shoot at me, watch me 24 hours stream my life on the internet, and most important thing is to give the trigger to the people who would like to experience what it feels to shoot an Iraqi. Of course, that is not a literal in, in, um, invitation, but that was the premise, is uh, you could witness the disconnect between the physical and, um, uh, uh, and between the virtual and the physical and the consequences. So initially what happened, I created a miniature conflict zone within the comfort zone and inviting people to talk to each other to uh, debate and I thought um, all of a sudden the idea of creating an artwork it's being democratized because I no longer uh, uh, impose a statement uh, on the viewer just like uh, early on I was talking about how my viewer was disconnected with my paintings and I thought that is perhaps the new direction uh, for me to um, uh, create artwork that is an interactive, that it's a participatory in nature, and allow people to be part of the narrative of creating that artwork that is uh, reflecting on this social and political uh, condition. It's such a, I mean, it's it's a, an incredible performance piece in and that, that raises so many questions and and thoughts to begin with just as like you positioned yourself such dire conditions because even though you, you you were just describing how you were trying to create this democratic space uh ultimately something very different happened i i think of how people actually responded to the artwork can you elaborate a bit on that, what the results were? Yeah, so I think because of the uh, disconnect, um, because of the lack of consequences, uh, uh, the project provide, and so, just like uh, social media, uh, it, it provide anonymity to uh, people. So their act has no consequence. Pulling the trigger and shooting somebody uh, it doesn't implicate them in any way. Um, from the beginning, I did, I wanted to uh, allow the viewer to interact with the project with no perceived political um, uh, message that is what the project is about. So the, instead of calling it Shoot an Iraqi, uh, the gallery owner, uh, decide to just like why don't you call it domestic tension because this is the conflict within and i thought that's a brilliant idea because uh, all of a sudden when people come into the project they don't know what the project is about iraq right so uh, so many different people from all walks of life start interacting with the project not necessarily because of its political message no but because it's an open platform they could come and interact with other people and really people come from all walk of life from uh, some of them who are interested in the technology and how 
a um, smaller group of people were able to do this. Uh, and this is was 2007. So when um, all the uh, smartphone almost doesn't even exist, right? And uh, hunters who would love to hunt, they wanted to see what the technology is. Paintball shooters, um, video gamers, all of this is, uh, start to con these people start to convene on the platform. And I thought this is the, the time when we implement um, a chat room and uh, it ended up to be one of the important tools or uh, the outcome of the project because we rec I recorded 3,000 pages of people interacting with each other coming from wherever they come from politically and then understand what the project is about. So it's not, not that it wasn't didactical in any way. It wasn't imposing on people. And um, uh, it is like what Walter Benjamin uh, talk about the task of the translator. Uh, I, I filter the conflict within uh, the social environment I lived in so people become part of it and which meant give the participant uh, uh, the ability to add to uh, the, the project so uh, they personally invest in it no matter what their uh, political affiliation or what their political uh, agenda is uh, and I think that was the success of the project besides demonstrating what Iraqi life is on the ground streamed life the political message and the interaction with people it was very important as well because it was unmonitored uh, democratic to certain extent as long as people respect the rules of engagement I wonder what was more difficult for you. I, I assume going into it, you would think that getting hit by the paintball gun would be sort of the first point of pain or conflict, but then the, the not being able to escape, the being watched all the time, the your life being controlled through the computer, yeah. through the monitor type thing. What ended up being the most sort of uh, challenging aspect of it? Yeah, Alexander, that's a great question. I think I think uh, you lived in in a conflict zone, and when you are there, your first and the last objective is to survive, right? So part of uh, this mechanism is to build these emotional walls to protect you from reality or your losses, and I think. Um, I have done that without knowing, you know, so when I lost my brother in 2004 and my father two months after of heartbroken uh, for the loss of our brother, I built these walls and I really don't think I acknowledged their losses for so many years um, from 2004 to 2007 until the 10th day of the project when um, all of a sudden we start um, a massive amount of people start coming into and interact with the project online and the server crash the gun crash so for the first time uh, the gun is silent I, I, I felt uh, for the first time I realized I was emotionally and physically 
um, exhausted and I dropped all of these emotional barriers to uh, uh, help me uh, deny the reality, all of these barriers fell and I start sobbing uncontrollably for the first time, acknowledging my losses. And I think to this day, it really, uh, it's a testimony of what happened when the guns fall silent, whether it's in Iraq or whether the life of, of an American soldier is coming back home. We have to face these reality. And to me, uh, it was very, um, uh, the act was, it's not meditative, but uh, it was an act of healing, even though I, I didn't plan on it. There's this incredible um, thing with Iraqis, this, um, you know, these barriers that you're talking about. I've noticed it so often with close friends from Iraq or just acquaintances that you're meeting. Because of the proximity to conflict so often and to such an extreme, the the level that they've enabled this like protective layer around them, around themselves or their families. Um, it's, yeah, it's un, it's unlike anything I've seen anywhere else really. Um, and then, it, I mean, you, you are hard pressed to find someone who has not been directly impacted by conflict. There's always going to be, whether it's a close friend or a family member and to have that constant pressure, that constant, um, you know, heat on your life. It's, um, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's a, a constant state of anxiety. And I think uh, we have in Iraq, Iraqi have been seen maybe a decade without war, you know, in the entire uh, modern history of the country. And uh, sadly, uh, 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 yes, it makes them resilient, but at the same time, extremely vulnerable. And everything, all that sadness and anxiety sit just under the skin. And once you scratch it, all of that feeling come out. And I think that's what shooting Iraqi did to me, is scratch that thin veneer to allow it, uh, the suppressed emotions to come out. Uh, and it was cathartic, but it was also uh, very healthy. And um, I, I, I hope in the future I could um, uh, do something uh, that is allowed Iraqis to deal with the past. Well, there's also something that um, particularly struck me when you were um, talking about how shoot an Iraqi or, or domestic tension, um, how you were describing that it created a mini conflict zone um, in in a place that is actually outside of the actual physical conflict zone. And um, this actually draws a really interesting parallel with um, Alexandra's work, because the way we have installed Leave and Let Us Go at Foam is also that you step into this room and you're basically it's like you're being teleported into something of the conflict. So of course, it's still just through the barrier of the image. It's not, there's nothing actual about it, 
But this idea of uh, creating a mini conflict zone through the work um, is something that um, I would like to talk about with both of you because it also reminds me of Susan Sontag's book regarding the pain of others. And in which she also writes that for the other, even when not an enemy, is regarded only as someone to be seen, not someone like us, she says, who also sees. Um, and well, that is definitely an interesting notion to reflect upon uh, with your work, Wafa, but also for Alexandra, it's we see all these photographs by Iraqis that are sort of, you know, we're um, confronted with that like all these people who also see, and this is what they see instead of that previous notion of constantly maybe being uh, recorded, being um, photographed, but never being able to um, control what other people see and, and what image is created of, of people. Especially since you also work as a photojournalist, Alexandra, apart from these works that you've created that are more like rather artistic reflections, maybe not directly upon photojournalism maybe, but it's definitely related. So maybe that's another way of putting the question. Yeah, I, I don't know, I'm sort of struggling to answer this in a way. It, it's um, like putting myself in this place of curating these images of other people. Um, and it was, um, it was such a difficult sort of space to be in and trying to figure out where to, how, how much I can implement myself in it and what my role is in that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's when you're handed someone's entire archive from their phone and you're, you're seeing, you know, every type of image, whether it's, you know, there's images of soldiers out fighting and the people that they killed. And then you could see the transition into their homes and they'd, you know, have a call with their girlfriend and you'd see the screenshot that they took of that. And then you'd see a, a selfie that they took after that with just like a tear coming down their eye. And um, I don't know, it was a very um, intense sort of access. And I think that this is something that the project doesn't necessarily even go into with how it's presented now, um, because it at this stage of it, it was more this overarching, you know, concept of how, how do I intervene with this foreign narrative of what Iraq is and of what conflict is and how do I enter that? Whereas the a whole other side of the project of doing something like this is that you can go into singular daily lives and you can pull out the pain and you can pull out the moments of happiness and there's all these different sort of strings of people's lives, um, which I, I don't know, it's such an um, interesting approach to it of how it could have been done but then at the same time if you do that then it's a very specific to the individual and then it was also questioned with the project you know there are some photos where they cover their faces completely so any photos that they're posting on social media some of them their faces are totally deleted right so it's they're keeping their own privacy while still boasting about something that they've done 
Um, and then if you're going to focus in on each daily life in a, a singular day of each person, for example, then where, you know, that sort of completely circumvents the privacy that they maybe would want to keep with certain images. Um, so then this was a constant back and forth of, um, you know, what is my role in sharing this? I'm not coming in at, into it as a journalist. So there's images of, you know, human rights abuses. Is it my role to publish these? I'm not here trying to uncover these things that happened. I'm here to show a life, right? So what is my role and what is the role of social media and what are they posting and what do they actually want shown? Um, yeah, having all of these different things, they like braided together, I guess. Yeah, Miriam. So uh, thinking of that question, uh, you know, very often as an artist, either you conceptualize the piece and you do it or the other way around, let the practice inform the theory. And, and to be frank, honest, I didn't think about the theory much of shooting Iraqi. And then I start contemplating on it later. But uh, essentially what happened is uh, turning people to witness. And that is really hard uh, because a lot of people in a comfort zone, they uh, deny that is a conflict exists or they deny there are, they do not, they do not want to be implicated in it. And even when the project was running, people deny it is real. So they have to drive from the suburb, from different parts of um, the state to witness it, to see it's real. And I think what that does, it, it ge generate empathy for when you witness it in person, it generates empathy. And I think that's what every uh, artist perhaps wish for speaking of social, political, and these um, conflict uh, uh, art uh, project, but also give them agency, you know? Uh, no, give them agency because um, they are firsthand could watch the suffering of another human being. And I think that's the remarkable thing happened during shooting Iraqi when um, people start to antagonize me and rather start aiding the project. Um, and I think Chicago was a remarkable place for that because if it left up to me and my resources, the project would have crashed the second day. You know, I, I, I walked in with two boxes of paintball and they were done with the first day. And what's left is left to the people who could uh, help to sustain the project and I think that point of this is an urgent platform that is in 2007 the highest of um, uh, American soldier death in Iraq and civil war about to break and people needed a platform and this one it become physical and virtual at the same time it generate empathy, but also it generate the responsibility for people uh, to be part of it. And it was playful. And I think I, I can't emphasize enough on the, the idea of the unusual hook to every project. But I think it, 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 it captured people's imagination and allowed them to congregate around one platform uh, for to translate uh, late their thoughts 
uh, and uh, their physical urgency, uh, uh, a virtual one into a physical one, but then it does something different. It allowed them to speak to each other uncensored. And I think that's when you have a real democracy. When you bring people from different point of view and allow them to interact with each other. Yeah, this is really interesting also because another parallel between your works is that you've both with these works, Leave and Let Us Go and with uh, Shoot an Iraqi, you've on the one hand curated the setting for which, like, in which a, a conversation can take place whether it's a conversation between people in, in, a, in an actual chat room debating your performance while it's ongoing, uh, or how Alexandra has debated or uh, created a debate of photographs, almost a debate in which, you know, you see all these visions that are all different, literally, literally and figuratively speaking, all different perspectives on, on one conflict. Um, and in that you are the author of that sphere you create, but yet there's also sort of loss of authorship because you create the setting, but then you hand it over to other people to fill it in. Um, do you see it the same way or do you have a different idea of your own position in that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's sort of where the most interesting parts of any work happen is as soon as you hand over like there's only so much that we can do as the artist and there's only so much that we're actually thinking about before before or while we're making it like many of the realizations especially for myself they come after i've done something and then once i'm i put it out and i'm having that conversation about it and you know you're seeing how people are going to engage with it or you're um you know you're able to see the reactions that people have to to certain images or to certain videos um, and this point of engagement, it's so often, I mean, with this work, um, the, the places that people sort of enter the project are with the relatable images. It's the ones that they can see themselves in. So the selfies or the, you know, images of cooking dinner with the family or the birthday parties, these sorts of things. And so they, they sort of enter it there and then it hits them when they see all of these other layers that sort of come in. Um, so I think this, like this, the, it's, it is, it's a playfulness, like Wafa, you were just saying, it's, it's how do you get the audience to be engaged and feel a part of the work or feel as though they can relate to it in some way. And then if you can get them to sort of that point, I think that's, then you can actually hit them with something else. Yeah, Alexander, I think it's, a, it's the idea of, uh, interactivity and reward, right? With interactive artwork, which I consider yours is as well, is um, what's the reward for the viewers, right? I mean, as artists, for me, I, I consider um, uh, my practice as a creating encounters, right? So my role is a trigger. Uh, encounter is just like a platform, either f physical or virtual, and it allowed people to interact with each other or to generate the work. Uh, and but they have to have a reward what's in it in in them and reward it could be a voice it could be an image that represent uh, them uh, but still we 
as artists, as people who are responsible, uh, 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 who, who create these encounters, we do have certain uh, uh, power to not to let the platform to veer very far from our own objective. And um, uh, during shooting Iraqi, it was really, it was like a life, a reality show and it was a reality show so many times to have to deal with hackers had to deal with all kind of people who wanted to uh, move uh, or uh, uh, let the project veer somewhere else but not on keep it track on our original objective um, and uh, and I think that's an important aspect from and it, it's a dangerous one when we create this platform how do we keep us, ourselves, as the people who uh, started it, to stay on topic? Yeah, stay on topic, stay in control of it in some way while still letting it yeah. be malleable and moving with the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many times that, that you know, the archive was so outside of me or so outside of my control. And then figuring out ways to sort of bring it back and keep the the singular storyline, um, but then for me, as you know, as someone who is a foreigner within this project, right? It it then also became a major question of, you know, what is what right do I have to be in the role of like the curator or the author of this? And so that was also something I was constantly dealing with. Of, you know, is my Western perspective implementing or impacting this too much? And then how do I how do I keep checking that and how do I keep that in balance? And for me, that's where it became really important to engage the participants throughout the whole project as opposed to just collecting the images and then having, you know, having their job be done. It was a constant back and forth of um, you know, is, are, am I representing you accurately? And then, and that went through the whole sort of time from the creation to the exhibition, really. Yeah, and it's also what what interests me so much um, about your work, Alexandra, is that you're not trying to represent Iraqi people, and that would also be completely impossible. But to me, um, your project is ultimately um, conceptual translation of the conflict through images, especially because, of course, from all these different participants that are also from very different walks of life and from different generations, um, we don't know what photograph in the project comes from whom, um, but also your own photographs are in there and also with your own photographs we don't know we it's hard to tell if they're actually yours um so it's not so it's not so much just representation of what comes from the the smartphones of of the iraqi people or the, or the iraqi participants i should say but also it's more about all those images from the same conflict zone if you mix them up, um, what does it say? And the only actual thing it says is it's, or what it really expresses ultimately is the, the complexity of it. And that it's not just, there's, there are no, no clear boundaries between 
good or bad or um, what party or all the, and that there's so many different points of view involved. And, uh, and this is a very, um, that in itself is actually, to me, the most interesting aspect is how you've been able to give shape to something that is almost unrepresentable um, because of the millions of views that it actually entails. I th one of the things when, that's been most surprising with people's reactions to this project is how offended they are that my images aren't clearly my own images. And this was some, this was a choice that I made without even really thinking about it. But the number of studio visits I've had or people being like, but I, I can't tell who's, who you are in this. I can't see which your images are. And the fact that it matters so much to people that they want my images to be larger or, you know, have a border or the most basic things like that. Um, I don't know. It spoke to so many different aspects of the project of why they want, you know, the, you know, white Americans images to be bigger than anyone else's, um, why they want the artists images to be bigger than anyone else's, even though it's all part of the same work. Like it, it's been such a strange reaction for me for, and people are so upset about it that they can't tell. But even when you and I were putting the project together, I was very adamant that like the mm -hmm. way that the way it would be exhibited, you wouldn't really have any idea. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's, well, we made sure of that. <laughs> yeah. And I just never like to put sort of a hierarchy on on something as like small as an image. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it's it, it's such a huge statement at the same time. Alexander, I love that idea. It just, I think, uh, with um, Western institution, they want the agency, right? And 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 to the artists or to the journalists, and but often forget uh, the age, uh, what the the, the uh, either the project or the report is about. It's about the people on the ground, right? And it's like. If you if your images are bigger than theirs, you almost deny them. They're just props in 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 a way, and their life doesn't matter. And I think that is, we see that in artists um, uh, a project when artists move into a conflict zone and would like to reflect on it. And sadly, after a while, when the dust settles, it's not about the conflict anymore. It's about the artist or the journalist's experience there, and it, it was all. It become all about it. But I think your project is unlike that. You know, you give people the agency, and uh, the idea of we don't know whose image is who. You know, that form of uh, democratizing the streams of 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 life and. Uh, given some recognition to the people on the ground who are part of it. And while um, Alexandra sort of created that stage uh, for people to, you know, uh, bring forth their own imagery, is that maybe also something of controlling the image of, of one's people, of one's country? Is would but Was that also motivation behind your um, very early work, uh, the ashes, Wafa. So the ashes series, it's a, it's a photographic series. Uh, it took about ten years almost to finish, and um, 
it really started in 2003 when uh, I started noticing uh, these images of destruction, Iraqi cultural destruction, institutions, homes. I'm familiar with some of them and not familiar with others. And it saddened me uh, these images either do not stop people from looking at them or people um, intentionally not looking at them because they're fear of being implicated in the destruction of these um, places. And I wanted to slow the viewer down when it comes to looking at images of conflict. So I start collecting these images, some of them sent uh, by soldiers, some from journalists, and for no apparent reason at the beginning, I start building these images in a physical miniature scale. And, um, and at, the, at the same time, um, it was a meditative act to connect me to a place where I cannot be during the conflict. And the image will take some time to finish, but before I would snap the picture of each set, I will imbue uh, the set with a 21 gram of human ashes uh, to literally insert the human aura in these images. So at the end, you have this monochromatic layer of ashes um, covering these spaces. And at the same time, um, the conflict uh, being not aestheticized, but rather become aesthetical experience to look at them. And I think with doing such a thing, I was able to allow the viewer to slow down, look at the photograph, not image of her, but rather images of a lost culture and uh, demand a look and demand um, the empathy they deserve with the people um, who lost almost everything. And none of these images, by the way, have any human existing in them. It's, it's really an uh, incredible body of work for so many reasons that we could basically devote a whole other episode of Foam Talks to it, I'm sure. Um, especially because you've been able to turn photographs of, of a conflict, which for me, someone being in a, in a comfort zone, definitely, um, it's a, pictures from literally very far away from something that's in so many ways very far away from me. And then suddenly you turn them into you, the picture playing, you turn it into a memorial site. Uh, and indeed, and I think it goes back to Alexandra um, uh, early uh, uh, remark about whose image is this, right? And I remember some of the uh, 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 fine art artists who shot some of these images in Iraq thought I should give them a credit for it. And I said, no, these images do not belong to a person who intend to profit it from them. These images of a conflict that uh, it, they, they, they um, 
desire or they um, need to be respected and need to be shared with other but they need to also uh, be indexical of what happened on the ground so the photograph become really witnesses but is it also do you mean to say that you know um, photographers who went there to photograph they did it because you know the motivation to go there was a conflict in which people died and that's sort of what brought the photograph into life i mean not everybody does that you know yeah you know so but no but but uh, I, I i think regardless uh, of what the source of the image was you know it's still indexical of the conflict and sadly uh, in the West, because we shelter ourselves from looking at these images, we don't look at them, you know. So even the, the, the whole idea of these images later on become meditative for me to um, uh, build kind of a safe zone for me to practice my own work. But I thought they are, they become important tools as indexical one, as the photography does all the time to reflect on uh, the conflict, but without alienating people who do not live in, in, in them. So it become kind of uh, a meditative act on pain and aesthetic at the same time. By bringing in these, the ashes of human remains, is that sort of was that a gesture and an act of, of attaching the, yeah, how should I say that the virtual of the photograph back to the physical loss? Is that sort of how we should see it? Yeah, and the amount of the ashes, you know, I mean, 21 gram has a significant, and I think the significant of that, some ta scientists explain that when a human die, immediately they lose 21 gram of weight and some of them think that's the soul leaving uh, the body and I thought that's a good connection because I never wanted the soul to leave this photograph right uh, yeah you, you don't see a representational of mutilated body because that's what repel us from looking at these images you take them away you take the bodies away and you replace it with a symbolic thing that represent all the souls that have been lost in iraq yes and um and that we're we're still losing because um even though we created this conversation also because of the timing for you know it's, it's um 20 years ago that 9-11 uh, took place. Um, it's the year in which um, uh, the current US President Joe Biden is withdrawing US forces from the Middle East um, in order to end America's longest war. But it's definitely still not the end of the conflict in, in Iraq. Um, and um, well, Alexandra has just finally found a, a way of, of um, giving shape to this very, well, still ongoing project, you would say, uh, of Leave and Let Us Go. But in this conversation, uh, Wafa, we've mostly been reflecting on 
on older works of your artistic practice um, um, that have been um, reflecting on the on the conflicts on ongoing conflict in Iraq uh, for time. So um, to end the conversation, could you maybe um, tell us something about what you're currently working on? I quickly will touch up on two projects. One of them is 16801, uh, which is um, uh, a project. Uh, it's a participatory in nature and intended to rebuild, restock Iraqi libraries uh, with books. And um, I started this project in 2016, um, and it is, is still going. And the title is 168 hours and one minute. Um, when I was invited to do this show in um, uh, at the art gallery of Windsor, um, I, I, I wanted to reflect on the past as well. And I think I come to this idea of Iraq has been through this for so many times. And when I looked at the history of Lhasa, specifically the books I read, called um, uh, uh, the anecdote that's been told to us when we were kids, when the Mongolian apparently swept Baghdad. They uh, uh, collected all the libraries, books, and remaining um, uh, uh, and dumped them in the river to create a bridge and to cross to the other side. And the river, according to the legend, run blue for seven days, which is 168 hours. And I thought that is the parallel between the past and the present. And I wanted to add one minute to that 168 hours to reverse the clock of destruction. So I start offering these books, white books to people to um, exchange Imagine the people who dumped in the, uh, sorry, the books who dumped in the river uh, uh, and now they were washed out of knowledge and now I am offering the white books as um, a gift and then in return people donate textbook to libraries in Baghdad and so far I'm really happy to say we deliver over 7,000 books to uh, Baghdad, uh, the College of Fine Art in Baghdad, College of Fine Art in Babel, Babylon, and Iraqi National Museum, and also um, uh, to uh, Mosul as well. So this project I consider it as a really post-conflict because um, our work for so long uh, deals with the conflict, even the conflict uh, it is uh, not disappearing, but I think it's a different reality now and we needed um, we needed different approach of art making when it comes to conflict zones, especially when the dust settled. So I considered a project like 168 is really ushering a new era of addressing the conflict in Iraq and how we can uh, uh, give people the tools and the hope to move forward because I think that is one of the saddest moments when troops leave. So the dust settled. People left to their own, um, to deal with their own losses and never given the uh, lifeline they need to start uh, uh, dreaming or um, 
have hope and the connection to the world outside. Which is actually uh, exactly what um, Alexandra's project title, Leave and Let Us Go, is referring to. So that's a, a beautiful way to, to close the circle. Yeah. Are there any last comments, last thoughts you want to give away? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask Alexandra, what's your favorite dish in Iraq? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I ate a lot of falafel because I was vegetarian for the most of the time that I was there. I was. <laughs> so wait, do yeah. you wear vegetarian? <laughs> I got really sick of falafel after a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I, did you experience kebab and of course of course yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. now a lot of great food i mean i think the best meals are when you get invited into someone's house and then you're there Absolutely. for six more hours than you thought you'd be and yep. you get a massive spread of 50 different dishes and yeah on, like on the ground follow with tea right endless endless amounts endless of tea, tea. With <laughs> sugar over the brim yeah yeah yep <laughs> 24 hours. That's how. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, Iraqi dish then, Wafa? It has to be qima. Qima uh, is an ancient Sumerian dish, and it's really uh, very uh, simple and complicated. Now it's widely spread in Iraq, used for weddings, used for religious holidays. But what it is, it's uh, chickpeas with meat mushed together with and cooked over 24 hours and the results are absolutely delicious with the spices tomatoes you know but i should have asked what your favorite american dish is of course actually <laughs> god american fav- seriously can it get better than a cheeseburger oh my god <laughs> <laughs> no alexandra think about it think about it how economic and how complete meal is that you've got your carp you got your meat you got your veggie you got your everything in one pack right and to go you sound very committed to it, so I'm not going to argue. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry to bring that. Uh, Wafa, Alexandra, thank you so much um, uh, for this conversation. I enjoyed it a lot, and I hope our listeners will too. So, um, Thank you, Mariam. Many thanks for home for having us. And Alexandra, really pleasure to have this conversation with you, and hopefully we'll meet in person at one point. Um, yes, day. definitely, definitely. Yeah, thank you, everyone. This was a lovely way to spend my evening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Phone Talks. Alexandra Rose Howland's exhibition "Leave and Let Us Go" is still on display at Foam until the 9th of January 2022. Her project is also available as a book, published by Ghost Books. If you want to learn more about the work of Wafa Bilal. His work Virtual Jihadi was featured in Fall Magazine number 47, Propaganda. And if you want to learn more about the engaging performance he talked about, please check out his book Shoot an Iraqi, Art, Life and Resistance Under the Gun, published by City Light Books. Keep an eye on our social media for the last episode of Foam Talks of 2021.